The following is a hoop ball presentation. Yo, yo, yo! Welcome to another edition of NBA Today. I'm your host Corbin Ford. Follow me on Twitter at Corbin NBA. It's a hoop ball presentation as always. So make sure to check out the fine people of hoop ball at hoop-ball.com and on Twitter at hoopballtweets. Ladies and gentlemen, I have, uh, well, first of all, this is an episode of a series. We're doing uh, off-season outlooks, off-season preview. I, I don't really know. We're going to figure it out as we go. But we're going to break down each team with an expert or myself, <laughs> depending on availability, on who knows the team best, talk about where, they're, where they've been, where they're going, just a general um, uh, summation of a team. And you know what? We're starting alphabetically. We're starting with the Atlanta Hawks. And I got my guy. From Hoopball Hawks, Brad Harden uh, on the show. You can check him out at Brad Jarrett 67 He's the host of the Hoopball Hawks podcast, which I highly recommend as I remember on all of our shows. But this one, this is some fire. So, uh, Brad, how you doing, man? Thank you for coming on. I'm telling you, I'm excited. Yeah, peace up and <laughs> town down. I've been doing great, Corbin. I, uh, it's just an absolute pleasure to be on the show tonight. Uh, a lot of energy here in the city of Atlanta, especially with the post-Dan Quinn era, kicking off with a huge win for the Falcons. I'm a Saints fan, so that's either, <laughs> neither here nor there. Uh, and the NLCS, the NLCS for the Braves is tonight as well. It's about to come on in a few minutes as we're recording this. So a lot of energy here. And then just the bright that is the Atlanta Hawks. So I'm really excited to talk about what they have to offer and why everyone needs to go ahead and cast their chips to the Atlanta Hawks side of the, uh, the table. If you're at the uh, table gambling and this is, this is a team to, to keep an eye out for. Yeah. I mean, uh, this is a young, very intriguing, um, you know, let's go into, I'm gonna, I want to ask you uh, real quick, just it, it, as long or as short as you want to make it a quick kind of season review, just as long as you get one highlight, one low light, what did you see from the Atlanta Hawks, because a lot of people, you know, watching uh, watching the NBA, unless they're diehard Hawks fans or just general NBA, you know, fanatics, the Hawks were, you know, generally on the out. They were on the outside looking into the Orlando bubble. They did not like the playoffs. They definitely had uh, a young core to be sure, and their record, you know, I mean, it was good for 14th. They were at 20 and 47 uh, at the time of the league of the of the um, league closing before they restart with the bubble. Um, they, they seem to be a pretty decent team, even with all the losses. Trey Young really came to his own this second year. But what can you tell us about Atlanta and how they performed this year? This past well, year, I mean. Sorry. Well, ultimately, you know, the, you, you stated the record 20-47. and 47, So, as a whole, this was a down year for the Hawks. They had really high hopes. A lot of people pegged them as the 8-9 seed, uh, potentially getting into the Eastern Conference playoffs last year. So, as a whole, it was a low light. But I'm gonna I'm a very positive guy, so I'm really gonna touch on some of the highlights. And you alluded to one, Trey Young, no question, All Star year last year, the franchise player, leader of the team, took his game to the next level this past year, and it's he is honestly very severely underreported nationally because of the overshadowing of great players, especially from the bubble play like Luka Doncic, Jamal Murray, and others, and rightfully so. Like I said. Not a great record last year in the shortened season, but he put up impressive numbers nonetheless, averaging close to 30 points per game at 29.6, 9.3 assists, 86% from the free throw line, and made 3.4 three-pointers per game. 
and wow. he will only get better, you know, around with as everybody continues to elevate their game around him. The addition of a healthy Capella, any addition free agency trade draft, uh, we'll see what happens there. But we, I, I will say this multiple times through this program: this will be the best we see of Trey Young because he's extremely motivated by the lack of success in the years past for the Hawks. A couple of other highlights, uh, John Collins' improvement on both sides of the ball, particularly shooting 80% from the free throw line and over 40% from three, which was the highest on the team this past year. And he continues to add pieces to his game, expanding his range. And this will help the Hawks fans to, you know, continually be excited about Collins along with the organization. Cough, cough, pay that man, please. Sorry. Sorry, Cole, I have something in my throat. Um, it's all good. I get it. Yeah, but, 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 but I think it's time for him to continue to prove to the Hawks fan base and as well as the rest of the league that he is definitely deserving of max contract money as a stretch forward, a very traditional power forward in today's game. So that was a highlight. The trade for Clint Capella was a highlight last year, even though he is recovering. He was recovering from injury and now he's healthy now. I think this move going forward will certainly pay off for the Hawks this upcoming season on both sides of the ball. And then the last highlight I had is, you know, you know, the coach's cliche is not how you start, it's how you finish. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that classic cliche, well, the Hawks finished very strong to end the year, and particularly the rookies like Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish ended March, those four games in March, averaging 17.5 points per game, four rebounds per game, shooting 55% from the field, 46.6% from three, and 85.7% from the free throw line in 28.8 minutes after a very slow start. Um, DeAndre Hunter outside of Trey Young was the steadiest player for them as far as durability and just had a really underrated rookie year, which a lot of Hawks fans were up in arms because they thought he could have snuck on to that second team or rookie team for the NBA. But, you know, we digress and we move forward and hopefully they both move forward in their game. And another thing for a lot of people who want to put stock in the Hawks, I know they were pegged. A lot of people thought eight, nine seed. Once the Hawks got healthier towards the tail end of last season after uh, John Collins came back from suspension and everybody returned from injury relatively, they uh-huh. ended their final 27 games at a 12-15 and 15 record, which is a 444 winning percentage. In that same stretch, the eighth-seed Orlando Magic had that same record in winning percentage. And if they would have kept the 444 win percentage hypothetically over the entire season, that would have put them at ninth in the East and if things took out the way it did this year, and hopefully it never does that going forward, they would have been in the bubble this past wow. year. So, so there's some, you know, so there's definitely some highlights. Um, of, but the lowlights will kind of tie into what I just talked about: the mm-hmm. absences from the players throughout the years, from injuries to John Collins' 25 game suspension. Uh, players not available for most for a lot of games this year really hurt the team's ability to take steps forward, which led to their 20 and 47 record. Another thing that was a low light, in my opinion, and I talk about this on my program as much as I can. Yeah. Their record against the eight seed and lower in the Eastern Conference last year was absolutely abysmal. And if you hope to be a playoff team, you've got to win the winnable games. Mm-hmm. So the teams in that in that in that 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 group, if you want to like to say the record, their record versus the Bulls, the Cavaliers, Pistons, Magic, 
Wizards and Hornets was it can buy five and fifteen last year, including Ooh, wow. they including going winless against the Chicago Bulls and the Cleveland Cavaliers, which in my in my opinion, um, from the regular show, unacceptable. It's just unacceptable, in my opinion. You have to beat the teams that are beatable next year, especially if you're aspiring to be a playoff team, which is the consensus coming out of Hawks minicamp earlier this month is that that is the goal. And then as far as numbers last year, their numbers were pretty bad. Uh, Offensively, they were in the bottom half of the league at 26th in the league at offensive rating as a team. They were 28th in the league in turnovers per game. And they were last in the NBA at 33% from three. So those are three numbers that they must improve on on the offensive end. And defense was not much better. They were last in the league in fouls per game and opponents points per game, almost giving up 120 points per game on the defensive end. And on top of that, to make matters worse, they were 28th in defensive rating last year. So they have to improve on both sides of the ball leading into next year. Wow. Wow. I mean, yeah, that was very thorough, Brad. I got to tell you, I, I felt like I followed along the entire season. I did think um, that a lot of what you said as far as the, the low light was tied in John Collins. Because, yes, you know, the Hawks struggled offensively, defensively. I did not know their record in terms of down the stretch being inspiring in that level. You know what I mean? The mm-hmm. same clip as the Orlando Magic, that's, that's pretty impressive. But... Yeah, that suspension from John Collins, I think, shook Atlanta up a little bit because then and I almost considered that suspension almost like Phoenix's with um, DeAndre Ayton, except that Atlanta was worse because they were relying on younger players and their roles were overextended because they were having to fill in that position that they weren't ready for. You know what I mean? You're relying on a lot of young guys um, yes. and they're already getting a lot of minutes to develop, but much less heavy minutes now with the loss of a, I mean, not just a rotational player one of your core for a good chunk of games. Yeah. And for context, if a lot of people are not really familiar with JC, um, a lot of people have many nicknames, uh, JC, uh, John the Baptist, but John Collins is the <laughs> government name. So we'll, we'll, we'll put some respect on that. He averaged almost 22 points per game, 10 rebounds a game last year from the four and 1.6 blocks per game. And I mentioned his three-point shooting and field uh, free throw percentage. So he had he was one of the most efficient players, along with Trey Young, in the league on the offensive end, both ranking in the top 20. Um, if, if 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 that recollects, uh, if that if that's if that's correct, we can fact check that as mm-hmm. well. But oh, yeah. very very good for uh, really deserving of max max contract money. So we'll see how he progresses his game from last year to this year, but they're both going to be very highly motivated. Trey Young more intrinsically seeing the success of others and wanting to win John Collins having that intrinsic motivation, but in the words of young Dolph, get paid young brother, get paid. He wants his money. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. I, I'm, I want to talk about John Collins a little bit more in a second because you're right. Restrict. I mean, he's going to be a restricted free agent next year and yes. is due for, and is good for an extension this um, upcoming season. So there's going to be a, a big conversation concerning him moving up um, in terms of getting that man his money. But before we get to the players, I do want to talk about just the front office coaching staff real quick. It was It's a relatively new uh, front office under this rebuilding project. You have head coach Lloyd Pierce. You have president of basketball operations Travis Schlenk. In general, what did you think about what they did? Obviously, the, the one transaction that comes to mind was making that trade for Clint Capella, which I actually think is okay as someone who, at 26 now, you know, he's a little bit older, 
in, in terms of uh, not being 22-23, but also someone young enough that I think can grow alongside Trey Young while giving you that value as a vertical floor spacer um, and someone who I think could be a great pick-and-roll partner with uh, Trey Young. I, yes, I definitely agree there. But back to the question definitely about the coaching staff in front office. I just yeah. want to say that a lot of people may not notice, but you know, Travis Schleck did come from the Golden State Warriors and had a success there. But the organization as a whole is doing a wonderful job once we get fans back. But even before the stop with your play of trying to improve fan experience, grow more fans with Trey Young and having a lot of young players on his team, trying to reach that younger base and really grow true Hawks fans from the ground up. Mm-hmm. Um, Atlanta has a has a tendency to bring back some of the old players and give them, you know, a, a farewell tour. You know, the Brim Breeze, the Jeff Teagues, the Kent Bazemores, who have given something to this organization over the years past. Uh, but they're trying to do a lot of things to ramp up and make this a very attractive place for free agents to come for years to come. They finally added a G League team in College Park. Shout out to Two Chains, who uh, has part <laughs> ownership there. Uh, in College Park in that new arena and trying to help generate some funds in that neighborhood here in, uh-huh. in Atlanta. But as far as Coach Lloyd Pierce heading to his third year of his contract with the team option next year coming up, it's essentially playoffs or busts for him. Now, you can only coach who you have on your roster and play who is available, which I alluded to the coaching cliche before, yeah. uh, which has been an issue the last two seasons, along with a lot of roster turnover. I mentioned the injuries and untimely suspensions, but he must produce this year, in my opinion, in order to be retained by this front office. Uh, and he is in the midst of a rebuild, just like, you know, trust the process up in Philly. And they had their time <laughs> to go through that. And patience is a lost virtue in the society, but unfortunately, time is something that Coach Lloyd Pierce does not have a luxury of. But and aside from X's and O's, as a leader of the team and the face of the franchise, I think he's great for the city of Atlanta. Having a black head coach in the midst of the times that our people are going through in this country, yeah. being a social activist and speaking up on voting here in the area for this upcoming election, he is great from that standpoint. And then you alluded to GM Travis Schlenk. Uh, uh, Hawks GM, head of basketball operations here. He joined them in 2017 after spending 13 years in Golden State, where he was a part of two NBA titles and a part of the best three-year run in NBA history, where the Hawks went, I'm sorry, where the Warriors went 207 and 39, which is the 841 winning percentage. And they were the, and they were the first club ever to win. 65 games or more in three straight seasons. So hopefully bringing that winning culture. Uh, learning from Bob Myers and that brain trust in uh, Golden State and bringing that across the country into Atlanta uh, to build this team from the ground up. He spent most of his time in Atlanta, like I said, building up this culture, acquiring assets through the draft and through trade. And I think he's done a great job. But I think that the time for them to cash in on all these assets that they've been building up for years and years is coming pretty soon and potentially this offseason and trying to potentially add a proven contributor to this team to help them win now and get to their goal of the Eastern Conference playoffs. And the last thing I want to talk about the front office uh-huh. is they're, they're doing a really good They They added Landry Fields, assistant GM for the Hawks now, who came over from the uh, San Antonio Spurs organization, where he spent four seasons there as the GM for the G League affiliate there, uh, who had a winning record as well. And I think they were third or fourth in the West in the G League before the stoppage of play. And as well as spending a lot of, a lot of years 
as a college scout in that organization. And he was an integral part in providing development opportunities for a lot of the young players on that Spurs roster. So that's another element as well that he's coming in at this point in this seemingly everlasting offseason and hopefully can continue to help bring these young players along. And I would love to see what Landry Fields can do for Kevin Herter. But that's a, you know, that's a conversation for another day. So I like this front office. Uh, their time to cash in is coming pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's put up or shut up at this point for Coach Lloyd Pierce. I mean, you you detailed that perfectly. I have a lot of faith in what they've done so far. Um, you're right. Aside from, you know, bringing back the, the old Hawks reunion tour, bringing back older players, uh, presumably for leadership, but not really for much on the floor. Um, they've, they've been pretty good in my eyes. So that, I mean, I do want to say real quick, I did like bringing back Vince Carter, uh, keeping that man in, uh, you know, happy trails to Vince, but I thought that was pretty neat, um, to bring him back. But aside from that, yeah, it looks like they're in the right place in terms of the leadership up top. So let's talk about the players that are on the floor or just specifically the players that are under contract for this upcoming year. Um, we have Clint Capella. Uh, for two years, Dwayne Dedman for one more, DeAndre Hunter and Trey Young alongside Cam Reddish. Uh, John Collins already mentioned him entering a, a pretty important year uh, with an extension eligible uh, year there. Kevin Herter as well. Um, and then Brandon Goodwin and Bruno Ando. So let's start with the bigs. Uh, Clint Capella, uh, Dwayne Dedman, and then John Collins. What have, we, what have we seen? I mean, we haven't really seen anything from Capella yet, but the, the, the logic of his addition is there. But uh, Dwayne Dedman coming back over in a midseason trade and John Collins, uh, we already talked about how important he is. What do we see them kind of potentially in their role this upcoming year for Atlanta? Well, I know me personally in the – it's consensus almost every player that was in attendance at minicamp loves Clint Capella. I'm really excited that he's healthy and mm-hmm. on this roster. I think he will be a really efficient and effective player on both ends of the court with his ability to protect the rim, his soft hands and touch around the rim, which will hopefully give the Hawks some more opportunities to score in the paint. Uh, he's a great rebounder. He can shot block and shot alter on the defensive end. And one of the biggest things, like I said, that came out of the mini camp is how much he talks on the court, which will help play a role in helping the Hawks ultimately be better on defense and improve their position as a team. Uh, if you're, if you played the game of basketball or any sport, communication is key in helping, you know, the team get into the right positions. I have a former college offensive lineman. Um, I played offensive tackle. I could read blitzes. I would have to make the calls to get the offensive line in the right position to keep our quarterback upright. And that's kind of what they kind of hope Clint Capella can do is to make sure everyone's in the right position, call out screens, call out the offense at hand to make sure that they are prepared in in the right position to get more stops on the defensive end this upcoming year. And I think he will have a really big impact along with his team in helping John Collins even be even better on the defensive end and with Capella holding down the paint. John Collins can move a little bit more freely from the three-point line to the paint as he's continually trying to expand his game. So having someone like Clint Capella as your last line of defense will help kind of put everybody at ease. And he's a guy who could be an easily a 14-12 guy next year with a block or two on a nightly basis. Now, you, you mentioned Dwayne Dedman. I like having Dwayne Dedman as a backup center to Capella. Mm-hmm who could come in and grab rebounds, hit the occasional three, and yep. force that backup five 
to guard from the paint to the three-point line. As he averaged last year, one made three-pointer per game, and he took 5.6 per game for the Hawks. And he's a career 33% three-point shooter as a center. So I love, you know, for him to return to that mean of his career numbers next Mm -hmm. year. As it will only help the offense, he can block some shots. He had a high percentage of his free throws as well. And per 36 minutes last year for the Hawks, he averaged 12 and a half points and 12.7 rebounds, along with a steal and a half and 2.3 blocks. So he can be a very effective bench player for that front court. In contrast to Capella, who is more going to be tied down to the paint. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and then last but not least, you talked about John Collins. I'll skip down to him. And like I said, just as, you know, Trey Young is looking to prove doubt is wrong, JC is looking to do the same, entering a contract year and looking for a max contract. Travis Link and, and Hawks management have said this offseason that they will have these talks with JC, and I certainly hope so. But with the 25 games suspension and the lack of success from the Hawks, people around the league are wondering the validity of his numbers, similar to a Trey Young as they put up big numbers, but it hasn't really translated into the dub column for the Hawks yet. Yeah. And, and I think that we will see the best of John Collins, who will be highly motivated to prove that his shooting and numbers are real. His durability is there. He can contribute to winning basketball. And he has stated that he hopes that he can be even more of a playmaker next year, which would further just add value for him and continue to help space the floor for the Hawks and help this Hawks become a playoff team next year. And I will allude to Trey Young later in the program, but how J.C. comes into this year will help determine how far the Hawks can go next year as he is a 20-point double-double machine on this roster who can bring down the house, shoot threes, and swat that stuff out of here. <laughs> but I'm saying, man, I, this this big man rotation that Atlanta has is sneaky good because you said it. You have a guys in, in Clint Capella who can rebound really well, can put pressure on the rim on both the offensive end and uh, be a shot deterrent on the defensive end. You have a guy in Dwayne Dedman who, like you said, can stretch out the floor a little bit, you know, isn't going to be the force inside, but can definitely give you that floor spacing that you need coming off the bench. And then John Holland, someone who, I mean, if he's adding playmaking, look out because he's already an inside-outside guy. Like you said, shooting 40% from three this past year, 80% from the free throw line. Um, that's a guy I really see as a perfect uh, tandem or, or a perfect player in tandem with Trey with, um, Trey Young to kind of grow alongside. I think those two are like hand in glove in how well yes. they can possibly work together. So yes. I'm and with you, man. Another big, and another big man that I did not mention who was a rookie last year for the mm-hmm. team is a very exciting prospect in Bruno Fernando. He's, like I said, he's young. Uh, learned basketball a little later in his life, but we've seen that that has not deterred the development of players such as Joel Embiid, Pascal Siakam, and the list can continue to go on as though he played the game and started playing this game later. But like I said, he's very explosive. He's growing in his ball skills. It can have some sick throwdowns, get you some boards and blocks and shots. And one of the things that came out of minicamp is that Capella, has really challenged Fernando to work on the defensive end and really challenged him in practice and having to go against a Capella in a season veteran Dwayne Dedman to work behind will help continue to challenge and push Bruno Fernando to grow his game. And hopefully that can translate into some good minutes for the Hawks next year. Uh, He will need to grow in a defensive end to hopefully find more minutes on the court, but he's gone one trip around the sun. as people like to say, playing in this NBA and, 
he, uh, like I said, the more time he can get on the court, like a Jackson Hayes in New Orleans, you know, the only better that he can get. But he's going to have to work on some de- defensive situations and just IQ as far as in-game situations. Exactly. Like that, 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 that development to continue to kind of add. And I think that will come in time. The problem is, you know, with the bigs that are going to be playing, will he be able to get that outside of spot minutes? Yes. Uh, and, and I think, I think he'll find some minutes, uh, here and there. Uh, yeah. but it really, it, it, I think I'm glad he was there for mini camp and a lot of players were there for mini camp. He can ride some of that momentum and some of the things you know, he, he maybe picked up from Capella and can see from Capella because Capella is still here working in Atlanta. Hopefully they can continue to work through this off season leading into training camp. And that will culminate to a very surprising young prospect as tip off whenever that happens next year in 2021. Yeah, that'll be big. That'll be big. And you're right. Whenever that time comes, man, because uh, who? What a year it's been on the NBA level. But moving straight along from the bigs, let's talk about. We we mentioned Trey Young. I don't want to bury the lead too much, but I'm gonna do it just for a little bit. I want to talk about the shooting guards and forwards here. Um, Kevin Herter, uh, DeAndre Hunter, and someone I'm really big on, Cam Reddish. Uh, what do we see from these guys this year? I feel like Hunter and Reddish in particular grew as on-ball defenders, but offensively, I think it, it came and went, although Reddish had his stretches, um, and Herter was pretty solid throughout, but what were your takes on those three guys? So, I'm going to start with DeAndre Hunter, who, cool, uh, cool. who who a lot of people uh, think they can be a really, really good 3 and D guy in this league for years to come. As you mentioned, and I mentioned earlier, he was the steadiest player as far as durability for the Hawks last year, and he was pretty efficient last year for ha- and he had a knack for making the right plays on both ends of the court. Uh, he needs to continue to obviously gain experience and gain confidence in his own game. But last year, he averaged 33 minutes per game, which was the second highest on the team, and played 63 of the 67 games that the Hawks played. So durable, wow. depended, dependable, mm-hmm. and he had the highest on-off court plus-minus per 100 possessions out of him, Kevin Herter, and Cam Reddish last year. Whoa, okay. That's I, wild. I, I look for DeAndre Hunter to continue to use his size, continue to be more aggressive on the offensive end, and improve at his three-point shooting, uh, which was 35% last year. But there was a stat that I saw that he actually, like 35% of the rookie is not bad from the three-point line at all, but he mm-hmm. shot 38.8% in catch-and-shoot opportunities last year, which is a really underrated stat for him. And that's why a lot of Hawks fans are like, I th- they thought that he should have been second team All NBA uh, from the minutes he played and, and how valuable he was to this team as far as durability. But the Hawks fans will continue to digress because they feel like they're getting dis- disrespected all around. <laughs> but we'll move on from there and say that he will continue to improve that three point shot. The defense will continue to improve. He has the intangibles, and I compare him a player comparison for DeAndre Hunter is OG Ananobi up in Toronto. Okay. I, I see a lot of similarities in their game and trajectory. And like I said, although he had a very underrated rookie year last year, and some will question his selection at four and that the Hawks gave up too much, it's hard to be very critical on someone in their first year, especially he's paying, playing at a much faster pace than he was in college that Virginia. Virginia offense, you know, they want to set you up in the half court. Yeah, uh, they want to they deliberate. Want to defend. Yes, they're very deliberate, and it's a much slower-paced game, whereas the Hawks play the fifth-fastest pace in the NBA. 
So he's trying to find that footing. He's trying to find that rhythm in a very fast-paced offense, but he's shown flashes on both sides of the ball. And even posting career highs in games this year, including a career high of 28 points one game, six steals one game, six made three-pointers in the game, and 11 rebounds. So we'll see how he improves from year one to year two. But I think he has that three-and-D potential like a Robert Covington and a D, uh, OG and Anobi that, like I alluded to. Yeah, I mean, that that's that's one I think you're right. If he can grow into it. I have to watch a, a lot more of the Hawks in general, but his game specifically, because I do remember that change being the most jarring for him coming from college to the pros. And and, and not just because of the, the athleticism adjustment or the players, but literally just the style that he did from back in college through now, you know, is different. It, it is extremely different. And another person, as you alluded to, um, uh-huh. we talked a lot about it on this uh, podcast I recorded earlier today. Uh, we talked about uh, Cam Reddish, and we talked about how he finished the year. And like I said, he's going to continue to find his rhythm. It was really encouraging that he shot well from the free throw line last year. Uh, we know that he has a really good stroke. And I think that he has the highest ceiling on this, on this Hawks roster. A lot of, I know a lot of people have thrown comparisons to a potential you know, Rudy Gay, but a better defender. And I know this guy is getting clowned on right now, but... When I see Cam Reddish, I kind of see Paul George, uh, especially with really? his size, his shooting uh, shooting ability, the you know just the pure intangibles with his wingspan. He has the instincts on the defensive end. Uh, Cam Reddish shot can be a little streaky as well, like a Paul George, but I, I, I kind of see that in him. And like I said, he found his rhythm later, and really like hopefully he can how he finished, he can ride that momentum into this off season. Uh, he looked pretty good in many camp from what I heard, continue to train on off season and get ready for training camp. He posted career highs this year. He had a 28 point performance, just like Deandre Hunter and six steal effort, just like Deandre Hunter had eight rebounds from the two. They put him at the three and four a lot in this Hawks roster. Uh, he made six threes in the game this year. And I will look for him to continue to grow in his confidence and consistency in year two. And like I said, there's no secret how explosive he is. And he has a sweet shooting stroke. And Hawks fans and fans in the NBA um, can really get excited about Cam Reddish because I truly believe outside of John Collins and Trey Young, where Cam Reddish goes next year as far as his game, mm-hmm. he will be the key for them continue to t- make steps for the years to come. Oh, yeah, I totally see him as that small forward alongside um, Trey Young and John Collins moving forward. I do think that he got a bad rap. He did start slowly, like, you know, you'd already alluded to, but a lot of that, um, he had had that offseason surgery on his abdomen, so he played through that in Duke, but he couldn't play through that in the NBA Summer League or do team open gyms after the surgery. So rather than getting a head start on workouts and working on development, he had spent the offseason basically rehabbing, which, of course, led him to have to do some of that development while also playing in the season, but... Yeah, you're right. He has great physical gifts, um, and they kind of didn't tra- – some of them didn't transit as well as they did in college just because he could just overwhelm other players with his size and speed. But he still shows a lot that makes you wonder, okay, you know, this guy can really grow. If he spent this last year plus, literally in real time, developing his game, what can we have on the Hawks next year, you know? Exactly. And, like, he could put the fo- he could put the ball on the floor. And I would I want to allude to Duke a little bit uh, – with him being, you know, overshadowed by R.J. Barrett and Zion, I don't think that the, that Duke offense really shows all that players can do because it's more of a system. When you're in college, you're playing in a yeah. system where it's just a little bit more free-flowing in the NBA. So it's kind of having to get back 
to being a little bit more free-flowing like he was in high school, which led to him being ranked so high coming out of, uh, you know, coming out of high school. And hopefully that will translate into next year. Now, as far as the next players, who you want me to, who you want me to talk about? You know, I can do this all day. <laughs> hey, hey, that's why, that's why I love having you on. Man. Let's talk about Kevin Hurd a little bit. Kevin Herter, Kevin Herter, Red Velvet, <laughs> Red Velvet. Um, <laughs> I love that name. <laughs> I do too. It's a really good nickname, uh, and I and I'm gonna say what I'm about to say, and it's no disrespect to him. In my opinion, okay. last year he was honestly the most disappointing player on this Hawks roster because he really didn't make any significant prov- improvement in his game. In my opinion, the numbers went slightly up, and he got a little bit better playmaking wise which is something that we're going to need from Kevin Herter going forward and it's it's obvious, obviously useful especially when the Hawks want to play more of a small ball lineup small ball lineups consist of people who can all pass shoot dribble and defend multiple positions he can do some of those things the defending is still he still needs to continue to work on like last year he he shot 38% from 3 which is not terrible and i think it definitely will get better but this is coming from a guy who shot almost 47% from three in his career at Maryland. So when you look at that, it's pretty wow. underwhelming. Yeah. But, you know, like I said, you get, you get, you're switching games. It's the pro game, more physicality, the travel. So he, he will grow into that. And he knows that his three-point percentage needs to be higher. He set the bar at 40%. So he's saying the right things. In my opinion, this is a make-or-break year for Kevin Herter. Okay. Because if he does not prove his work and continue to get better and take another step forward in his game, especially improving his three-point shooting and expanding his playmaker, uh, if playmaking, if he can do that, he's a keeper. If not, watch him and trade talks um, with a couple of other Hawks players that I might mention, you know, down the stretch. Okay, I'm about to say, like, yeah, I, I didn't think he had the strongest of years either. I didn't know it was like that, where, hey, you know, if he, he, he definitely doesn't seem to be a person that I think is locked in on the core like Reddish. And a lot of that has to do with the fact he's played more years than Cam, but also, you're right, it was inconsistent. But, yeah, I mean, you, you already kind of gave um a hint as to players that might be on the move or, or at least in talks. But let's talk about one guy who is definitely here to stay. We've talked about him already around for a bit. Let's talk about Trey Young, um, someone you said under kind of understated just because of all the attention that, while he has gotten some, has gone to players like Luka Doncic and others in the draft class, just in general, what have you seen from Trey Young? What's been the talk so far, you know, in the pre-camp and, and what can we look forward to from this man? Ice traded the game. Ice traded. <laughs> I, 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 I just wanted to, I just wanted to lead up into that. Uh, so like I said, we spoke early on his play and he seems very, very hungry and motivated from watching the bubble and the playoffs and even tweeted, after seeing LeBron James win his fourth championship, that he wants a championship. He wants a championship. And he told the media at minicamp that he doesn't ever want to miss the playoffs again. Uh, period. Oh, wow. But, okay. Yeah. He, and, and one of the things that, you know, a lot of people knock on is his defense. He said that he is committed to getting better on the defensive end through conditioning so he can give maximum efforts on both ends of the court. And last week, like we alluded to, seeing the success of other guards like Jamal Murray and Luka Doncic will continue to fuel Trey Young's fire to succeed next year and take his game to the next level. We talked about his numbers already. Like I said, he's already almost a 30-point uh, score in this league. So further improvement that I would like to see 
mm-hmm. is continue to learn as a point guard to get people involved and get them in rhythm and stretches. Mm-hmm. As, as he's put up the numbers he has, like I said, almost 30 points per game and nine assists a game. Some people think that's empty stats because a lot of that happens to because, oh, double team, boom, you have to kick it out. It's not that, okay, I need to get Cam Reddish in, in rhythm. Let's continue uh, to feed him. I need yeah. to get JC in rhythm. Uh, he hasn't been hitting the three as well. That's going to help our offense. Those are things as you grow in confidence and grow in leadership. Uh, those are the things that I would like to see Trey Young continue to take the next steps on. And he has the ball a lot in his hands, and rightfully so. He 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 has he averaged probably the most turnovers uh, per game in the league. And this Hawks team averaged a lot of turnovers per game. Product of a young team, and I think as he continues to grow in his development. And his teammates as well. I think those numbers are going to come down. He's going to continue to get even more efficient because he wants to let it be known around the league that he is real. He wants to win some games and put some respect on his name. And like, and as I alluded to, he wants to help contribute and grow other people's game around him. And like I said, he's the leader of the franchise and where he goes is where this team will go. And hopefully he is setting the right pace. And from what I heard in camp, he is setting the pace. And everybody has to either catch up so they can run at that same pace or get left behind. So I I am really excited to see what Trey Young is going to be like next year, especially if the Hawks can get him some help. Oh, it, it, it could be it could it could get it could get up. It could get up. <laughs> I was gonna say I feel like he had some great performances. I remember one in a great comeback against Miami. Of course, he had a yes. couple of forty burgers like he does. The dude showed playmaking. You're right. Like so, I could see why the naysayers would say that. But if you're actually watching him play, you can see the reads he makes in real time. You can see the playmaking that he's able to do in the time that he has. You know, what I mean, he's not able to bring the ball with zero pressure and initiate sets often because he is getting you know hedged and, and shown, you know, doubled way up. Yes. yes. <laughs> like it's, almost as soon as he passed half court. Yeah. Yeah. As soon, and that was about just what I'm about to say. As soon as he crosses half court, they're going to be on him. So if uh, John Collins can continue to work on his playmaking, Cam Reddish is more consistent in his shooting herder. Like that just only helps this team even more. And outside of what they continue to, they can potentially add this off season. So I think that the sky is the limit. We are going to see the best, from Trey Young and John Collins this year. So everybody watch out. And if you have not looked up Trey Young's highlights from last year, um, he is special. He's flashy. He's, he's nasty. He will nutmeg you. He you with <laughs> nasty crosses. Easy. Shoots from the logo. He is extremely entertaining and the fans love him here. Quavo loves him. That's why he is ice trader gang. Ice trader gang. <laughs> I feel that, man. I love it. All right, so I gotta I gotta brush through two more players that are under contract. Not we don't have to spend a whole lot of time on them. Brandon Goodwin, um, Bruno Fernando, kind of touch on them a little bit. What what do are they gonna get any significant time? Are they kind of just that that bench relief? Um, can they be gone? Like like what are we thinking about those two guys? So we talked about Fernando before. His, yeah, with the bigs. His minutes will definitely be you know hinged on his defensive awareness and how much that improves from year one to year two. 
And I think that, like I said, having a healthy Capella and Deadman work behind in practice will hopefully help him learn a little bit more uh, defensive situ- situational awareness, especially from Capella, who is pretty good on the defensive end himself. And if you guys have forgot what Capella can do, look up his numbers from the 2017-2018 year. He had a really, really good year uh, for the Rockets that year. And as yeah. far as Brandon Goodwin, a lot of Hawks fans like Brandon Goodwin, who is an Atlanta native. And um, I, I'm learning that Hawks fans – Love Atlanta sports fans love homegrown athletes, ATL. and they will defend and they will ATL piece up a time down, and they will defend them to the death. And and he will he even spoke to the media this year, Goodwin at mini camp, saying that he wants to be more of a playmaker, be more of a consistent shooter, and he wants to be that second unit's Trey Young. He wants to play make, be that shooter, get the offense initiated and going. And the fact that at at camp. He, he was at camp, and Jeff Teague, who's been on the roster for years, uh, obviously went other places and came, but came back this year. Uh, Graham and Bembry were not in attendance. Would infer to me that he will probably be getting, a, getting an expanded role next year. And people who like numbers, per 36 minutes, Goodwin last year did average 17.2 points, four assists, one steal, and five boards. And if he can produce like Teague did last year for the second unit, watch mm-hmm. out. Uh, Goodwin Goodwin could be uh, a really good backup point guard, a uh, good young backup point guard for Trey Young. Okay. I, I like that. I mean, they need all the a talent they can get on the young end, but especially some that they can kind of seek out early. Because if you're looking to compete, yes, you want to have an eye on the future there. But long-term, Trey Young, you know, although he's talking a lot of minutes now, you want to have someone, and we saw that with the Jeff T trade that Atlanta did um, by the middle of the year, you want to have someone halfway competent, you know, for the eight to ten minutes that he's not playing to at least capably run the offense. And speaking of that, Jeff Teague, a horrible segue, but, you know, working on it. Let's talk about free agents. Um... And I want to just run through all of them, and then we'll, you can just pick and choose as we kind of go along. Um, will any of them be returning, or who should be retained? And so, of those 2023 agents is uh, DeAndre Bembry. You have a Scala Bissier, Damian Jones, uh, Jeff Teague, Travion Graham, and then Vince Carter. But we already know he's retired, so happy trails to Vince. But of those guys, I mean, is there any that made any special impact on you watching the Hawks? Do you think any of them will be returning? Uh, should any of them return? What are your thoughts on these guys? So we'll st- I'm gonna start off with uh, Vince, Vince Carter so we, I can give him uh, his regular flowers. Yes, sir. Uh, and it's it's funny out of all the players on the roster last year when they talked to people in minicamp, Vince Carter will be the most missed out of any of those players because wow. of what he brought off the court to this young roster, which was wisdom due to his experience in the league and the little things to help a lock, locker room presence and teach these young guys how to be professionals here in the NBA, how to work, how to eat, train, sleep, basketball, lighten the moves. He's been in a lot of locker rooms. He's had success in, in this league and had to reinvent himself. So he's kind of seen it all in this league from being a superstar and being, you know, in, in tough playoff games to having to be a, a rotational guy, bench guy, and one of the guys who gets few minutes on the, on, on the team. And many players, like I said, alluded to this biggest need this offseason for the Hawks is bringing someone in with some tenure like a Vince Carter. Maybe not that many years, mm-hmm. but someone with some tenure to, and who can contribute on the court as well. Um, but 
I want to say great career. I loved watching Vince Carter play. People in the media media here love him. People in the locker room love him. Front office loves him. That's why they even people were like, whoa, he, he's coming back again for the second year for the Hawks. They just mm-hmm. loved his presence in the facility. So great career, Vince, um, who still some shows some flashes of the founding of youth, uh, even in his older age, but just a great talent, great guy. And, um, that's I mean it's so many things I can say about him but as far as for other real. players <laughs> for real but, yeah but as far but as far as other players DeAndre Bembry I like Bembry as a secondary playmaker but like and like I said like when he's off when Trey Young is off the court he was really leading that second unit it being more of a playmaker as a kind of a point forward type but I do not expect him to be back and that will segue to a conversation about the drafts that the Hawks do keep the sixth pick, which yep. that's a whole nother thing as well. We get into uh, it. <laughs> yeah. Skylar BCA was the only player in this list that was at minicamp. So that would lend me to think that the Hawks are probably going to bring him back yeah. next year. And they raised a lot about his scoring ability in camp as well as the work he put into his body this offseason. So this would yeah. be something that I will monitor as I would love to see him find success with the Hawks as he showed some flashes with the Kings, but Kings just had a very crowded front court. And, you know, that, that front office has had some, you know, turnover recently, um, whether it's from the coaching position or in the front office itself. But that's neither here nor there. We're talking Hawks right now. Uh, <laughs> Damian Jones with all the other, you know, front court players we mentioned probably won't be back. Uh, Jeff Teague would be the only player that I would potentially like to bring back, as you alluded to, having a legit backup point guard who can start in spells and spell Trey Young in games, but I think that depending on, you know, which is his status of the veteran and flexibility as far as cap room going forward, uh, we don't know how much money Jeff Teague would command, so unless convinced otherwise to take a pay cut. Yeah. Which, uh, That'd be interesting. I, yeah, yeah. If if they can do that, if not, um, I would move on personally from Jeff T and Trevion Grant. Uh, Trevion Grant played well in spurts, but not well enough to be on the books. I get you on that. Yeah, I agree. I agree on that. I have a question about uh Jeff T though, because I know you're saying you know if we can if they can convince him to take a pay cut, then that's something that they should definitely look into. But I mean, he had a rough year in Minnesota, at least a rough half it seemed like. Like it wasn't like he was traded as an asset to Atlanta, right? And so. I don't know how well he played. I know that he was an upgrade over, what, Evan Turner, whoever, Minnesota. I mean, Atlanta had backed up Trey Young because that was just awful. But was he someone that you think is going to go into the offseason like, you know, I can command a premium? Because I would think that he would just be happy to get a role. Like, I'm sure the contender will scoop him up if they can on the cheap. But did he have, like, his moments in Atlanta? Or was it just, from what I saw, he just was Jeff Teague, you know? And I think it alludes to just the loyalty that uh, the franchise has for people who have, you know, earned their stripes here in this franchise, and that could lend him to be a little overpaid. So that's okay. just my fear is that – I mean, because like I said, he could, he's a guy that can come in, get you 11 points off the bench, uh, in 11, 12 points off the bench, six assists, and, and, and run that offense uh, behind uh, Trey Young. So he definitely has value for the team. But maybe you can find someone else that, depending on the market and the salary cap and how it looks and how it affects contracts this offseason, that you can potentially move on from, especially because he does have a durability issue. He can, Over the years, you have seen him have some nagging injuries here and there, whether it's an ankle or shoulder uh, from here to there. So he is someone that 
I think you could potentially move on to. And there's a potential free agent that is similar to him in, you know, in age and all that, who had a good year last year playing, being a starter and as well backing up for a playoff team that I will allude to a little bit later that the Hawks could potentially go and get. I mean, listen, you, you've already done such a great job kind of teasing into the next thing. So let's talk about the draft picks. We already mentioned the Hawks have the, the six pick um, coming up, future assets um, that they can possibly take. I can run through the complete list, at least of, of what I have that they have, which is um, their own, of course, this six pick this year. Um, they have the 2022nd. Um, I forgot from where that's from. Oh, from either Miami or Houston, whichever is more favorable. And that's from a variety of trades that's been bounced around. It was in the doing Deadman trade, the Mon Shumpert one, the George Hill, the Kyrie Irving, the Zoran Dragic. Um, and then, of course, moving forward, uh, their 2021 first and second. And then they pretty much own all their picks through 2023. So what do you think, just in general, with the sixth pick, what what might Atlanta do here? What, what do you think? I mean, this ties into their offseason plan of attack. Who do you think they should target, if anyone? And if you think they should trade it, do you have any ideas on, like, where or kind of, like, you don't have to give a specific player, but, like, an archetype or something that they should do in order to fill a need for a team that apparently wants to be more competitive next season? So I will talk about overall needs for the Hawks, and then I'll talk about strategy and then go forward. The overall need for the Hawks, in my opinion, is a secondary playmaker, preferably a guard who is a little bit bigger, can be a pretty decent perimeter defender. Uh, that is someone that that they, they can have some alongside of Trey Young and kind of cover some of his deficient defensive deficiencies at the perimeter. I have alluded to just getting better on defense, defense, defense. Any player that has good defensive de- defensive prowess, I would go and get, and just a proven contributor to help this team win now and Travis Schlenk alluded to at the beginning of Hawks minicamp that they are you know they are focused on making more strategic moves this year rather than continuing to acquire assets which he has done for the last few years so that he can make moves that will complement the existing roster so it's not out the realm of possibility to accumulate assets if they see someone that they just love but I know that they want to put themselves in a position to be attractive for free agents due to their cap space, whether this year or next year, and next year notably having a much deeper free agent class. And as far as if the Hawks do keep the sixth pick, one of my favorite picks in this draft is Devin Vassell from Florida State, shooting guard. Okay, I've heard about him a little bit. He's 6'7", 200 pound, two guard. He's an Atlanta native. You know, like I said earlier, we know. ATL, you said it. (laughs) (laughs) He has two-way potential. He was a 42% career three-point shooter at Florida State. He has long arms with a seven-foot wingspan that will help him get blocks and steals at the two-guard position. He can handle the ball well, create off the dribble. He's a pretty good rebounder, tough competitor, very unselfish player and an underrated passer. Reminds me of Kelly Oubre and former Atlanta Hawk Kent Bazemore. Another mm-hmm. player okay. that has been rumored because he is preparing for the draft here in Atlanta is mm-hmm. the 6'9 Israeli forward who has some uh, professional experience in FIBA, Danny Avia. He is a winner. He led the U-20 Israeli basketball team to two gold medals. He reminds me a lot of Dario Saric with his ability to pass, get people involved, push the break, handle the ball, and he has a pretty good shit, set shot off the dribble and can take you to the hole as well. And the last player who is slowly working his way up as one of my favorite players for them as well is Isaac Okoro, an, an- yes. another Atlanta native 
who played at Auburn and has been linked to the Hawks. He's very selfless as well. Great defender, good ball handler, athletic, and an underrated passer. Another guy who can potentially, you know, set up the offense outside of Trey Young. And we talked about maybe not bringing back DeAndre Bembry, but he's drawing a lot of comparisons to DeAndre Bembry, as well as Andre Iguodala and and Karan Butler. Okay. Yeah, so those are if they keep the sixth pick. Now, I'm going to throw out mm-hmm. some wonky things now that would get you really excited. So let's say that with the flexibility the Hawks have, the cap space they have, let's say the Hawks trade up. And I don't know, with maybe the Golden State Warriors who have been famously shopping that pick. And there's been a lot of trade scenarios linking Atlanta and Golden State with the history with Travis Schlenk there. And mm-hmm. l- let's say that, you know, they they trade that number two pick as well as a contract they don't want anymore, let's say Draymond Green or Andrew Wiggins. And they trade that number two pick, we give them the number six pick, and for this scenario, let's say we get Draymond Green, who can come in, consummate professional, championship pedigree, veteran, can help this this team get better on the defensive end, and like I said, he has that leadership skills, he can be that dog and help bring that inner dog out in Trey Young to, you know, hold people accountable as the leader of the team and kind of enable him. But you bring Draymond Green, who's been spending time here in the offseason with NBA TNT here in Atlanta and doing a pretty good job as well. Uh, so yeah. you're familiar with the city. And then you get the number two pick. And let's say, hey, you know, another Atlanta native who's there at the number two pick, Anthony Edwards to go alongside Trey. Ooh, I like that. That's someone I was waiting, I was hoping you'd get to, because I like mm-hmm. Anthony Edwards fit there as a shot creator, someone who, you know, yes. can kind of play an off-ball role and create some offense for the Hawks. Yes, and so that is a scenario, and there's other scenarios where they trade, you know, they trade the sixth pick to Golden State, and it was like a three-trade scenario that I talked about on my podcast. Mm-hmm. Trade the sixth pick to Golden State, trade Miles Turner to Golden State as well. They send Andrew Wiggins to Atlanta, as well as a Minnesota pick that is uh, top three protected next year, but unprotected in 2021. And then you give the you give the Pacers the number two pick in that trade scenario. So that is out there, uh, as a lot of people see Atlanta as a wonderful team to shop with. But let's say they trade down in the draft to someone like the I don't know the Sacramento Kings, who Possible. maybe have a, who have a disgruntled player and Buddy Hield who could be moved as well. But there's a player that I like later in the draft who's a two guard as well, and he is the best shooter in the draft in my opinion. Vandy two guard Aaron Neesmith. He like, it, like I said, it's not even close. Okay. He's the best shooter. He's not even. It's not even close. He's the best shooter in the draft. He shot 52 percent from three in college and took eight Sheesh. threes a game. Eight wow. threes a game. So he has the volume to go with that shooting percentage. He has the size to be a pretty good defender at six six two fifteen with a six ten wingspan. He's great moving off the ball. Great shooting shooting off screens. So that'd be another player that in the draft that potentially they could trade back to. I know if they want to get another guard, they have Brandon Goodwin who's young, but the Tyrese Halliburtons are out there and yeah. Killian Hayes if he drops to number six and they happen to keep it, could be an interesting uh, point guard as well. The uh, point guard from France. I, I like all of those. Uh, most notably, I think uh, Anthony Edwards to me, because I would imagine that the Hawks would want s- some more shooting. You know what I mean? Playmaking being great, because that's something that's needed, but also someone who can, you know, create like reliable, consistent offense, especially when you're playing guys, I mean, outside of uh, Herter, Trey Young, John Collins, 
and who am I forgetting? Oh, Cam Reddish, you know, consistent shooting, right? Would that, would that be something that you would think they would uh, lean into? Uh, maybe not over playmaking, but like maybe right behind it. Definitely shooting, as we alluded to, they were last in the NBA in three-point shooting at 33%, and that's pretty pretty jarring when you see, oh, Cam Reddish, Kevin Herter, Trey Young, and John Collins shooting 40%. Yeah, they should be a better three-point shooting team as a whole, and their field goal percentage is pretty low as well, and that's just a testament to being young, not being really confident in their game as they continue to grow. Hopefully they can get more people involved and have more ball movement to get people some open shots and those percentages go up. But three-point shooting has been a potential need, and I will allude to that in some free agent targets as well. Well, uh, let's let's not waste any time. Let's kind of go into free agency, and, and we already talked about kind of needs that the Hawks have, but what kind of players can fill those needs? Where can they kind of look um, into kind of getting that talent? And, and not only that, but what free agents do you think the Hawks will pursue and, and which ones would you personally like them to pursue if by any chance that differs? So we talked about the, a proven backup point guard. We alluded mm-hmm. to, you know, Jeff Teague and his tenure and all that and his experience. Uh, and I will give, you know, credit where credit is due. E-Dub, the uh, host for Hawks Beat, who I was on the show with. Shout out E-Dub. Shout out Hawks Beat. Shout out to Hawks uh, Beat. Great show. Uh, he mentioned DJ Augustine in Orlando, who Ooh. has been playing well either off the bench or in the starting lineup for Orlando. Playoff team. Fills that need of a veteran on this roster, having, you know, multiple, multiple years here in the league, can give Trey Young that well-deserved rest during the game, and barring injury, knock on wood, third <laughs> starter that you can plug in at the one-guard position. Another, you know, pie-in-the-sky scenario, I imagine this team would do everything they can to keep this player, but Fred Van Fleet for the Hawks would be amazing, personally. Yeah. Just be absolutely amazing. I don't yeah. expect I don't expect us to get him because with, you know, Lowry getting up there in age and depending on what they do with Lowry, I imagine that the Raptors are going to have a conversation that Fred Fleet, Fred, Fred Van Fleet, sorry, you are the point guard for the future for this franchise, but mm-hmm. crazier things have happened. We could throw a lot of money at him. And as well as you alluded to shooting, we have been tied closely to Davis Bertans and Joe Harris, who are notably the best shooters in this free agent class and can help, you know, space the floor and hopefully up that three point shooting percentage for the Hawks. Uh, But those are names out there. And I alluded to the Hawks potentially trying to push them, put themselves in position to be even more attractive for a deeper free agent class for 2021. So those are some names out there, but I would definitely look towards maybe seeing what they can do to get a proven contributor maybe via trade this offseason. No, I like that. I think trade would probably get more appealing talent long-term, um, or, or not even long-term, but just into Atlanta being, you know, a free agent destination that that it might be pretty appealing to free agents in years to come, but maybe not so much this offseason, even with the money that they have to play with considering the market, you know, and, and how truncated it kind of is. Um, due to all the outside circumstances that have happened. So, yeah, but with that being said, I would like Fred Van Vliet. You're right, someone who can play on ball, off ball, someone who is a, a dogged kind of defender, you know, makes the most of his of his relative height. Um, I think that would inspire Trey Young a little bit more uh, because some of it I think is physical gifts for Young and others I think is just 
regular motivation and effort, and I think that he can focus on that defensively with someone alongside him in the backcourt. And between the two of them, imagine how spread that floor is. So playmaking and, and shot creation from, from both. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's fire, yeah. but... Uh-huh. Yes, because, you know, Fred Van Fleet can shoot. Yep. And he had great numbers off the bench last year. I think if I looked carefully, his numbers were 16 points per game and almost like six assists per game. And that's coming off the bench in Toronto. So just think of what he could do for this offense. They're going to have to space the four. They're going to have to cover the three. And I love the screen action they can use with Collins and Capella. And what can you get from Reddish? Hunter, catch and shoot, you know, if he can be at 40%. It's just a lot of, you know, you know, pie in the sky opportunities if you were able to add someone like a Fred Van Fleet to this roster. Yeah, someone who can make an immediate impact kind of up their window a little bit. I think he's 26. So, again, just like Appella, someone who's older but definitely young enough to be part of the next great Hawks team. But that first suggestion of DJ Augustine is, is definitely – I don't want to even disrespect um, Fred Van Vliet by saying a Fred Van Vliet light, but someone who can play either – on, you know, starting or off the bench, play the one or play the two, has enough or more than enough three-point shooting ability to kind of mimic that effect, you know, obviously being more limited player um, in addition with age, but someone who can replicate some of those same um, attributes that you would hope to have received from Fred Van Vliet should you have gotten him or should you get him. So that's someone I think that is also potentially a lot more available. Yes. Yeah, I, I think he's a lot more available as well. It definitely just depends on the price tag and how they set the salary cap this year, which I know that the, that should be hopefully set within the next three weeks from reports coming out. Mm-hmm. But definitely we want to see what the market looks like, because regardless of what the, what, the, what the cap will be set at, the Hawks have money to blow if you love Drake right there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like they, definitely, they, definitely, they definitely have money to blow for the next couple of years, so they want to make sure that they're in the right position to make the right strategic move for whatever whoever they're trying to target the next couple seasons exactly and making sure they're in in that position is going to be important and so speaking of that in position next season what position are the hawks going into how should the hawks go into that is it it seems like if you ask Trey Young and some of the players, um, it's definitely going to be time to turn the corner into a more competitive unit. But looking at who they can realistically add to this team, is it possibly just one more year development? Are they going to kind of hedge and see where they are come trade deadline? Where do you see the Hawks going um, next season? And then I'll tie into the, the next question. Will the Hawks make the playoffs this upcoming season? So... It's funny who you talk to because I love, I lo- I love to I would love to sign John Collins personally, yeah. but he has so much value on this market, especially when you're looking for a power forward, a traditional power forward in today's sense. He is a very valuable trade piece, along with depending on how things look, depending on the success for the Hawks at the trade deadline next year. Uh, can they make a move? Can they move John Collins this year and get some value out of that? There's a lot of question marks there. And But going into this year, like I said, with Coach how depending on how much they love Lloyd Pierce and his final contract of, you know, of his like tenure before the team option and Trey Young's desire to win now, which I'm glad that, you know, there, there's been reports that they maybe not see eye to eye, but I'm glad that his goals, Coach Lloyd Pierce's goal and organization goals are kind of all in line. Um, I would say this. I do expect the Hawks to be a playoff team next year with the assets that they have acquired over the time. And I expect the Hawks to make a trade to try to get a proven contributor. 
uh, trade the sixth pick and maybe get a player that can help improve them defensively or contribute on the offensive end. I alluded to Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green potentially being available. I know on a previous Hawks podcast, maybe DeMar DeRozan, who may not be as good of a fit, but with that Landry Fields connection and someone who can help make the Hawks a triple threat. And he can facilitate as well DeMar DeRozan. I know talks of Victor Oladipo. Maybe being disgruntled, maybe not. He would be an interesting player to slide next to Trey Young. We mentioned Buddy Hield. Uh, I know on a podcast that recorded today, mm-hmm. Drew Holiday, the name Drew Holiday did come up as well. So okay. trying to add someone who can help them win now, take some of the ball handling responsibilities away from Trey, Trey Young, create for this offense and score in their own right as well that can help this team next year to make this a more competitive team because i think it's win now for them all these options help the hawks become a playoff team next year and they can still depending on what kind of trade and what kind of contracts they up offload they can still be in position to try to get something in the next creation class that's going to be a little bit deeper and continue to further push up in the Eastern Conference next year. Uh, so, yes, I think barring, you know, health with the addition mm-hmm. of Clint Capella, I think they'll be better on the defensive end. I think yeah, this yeah. team will be extremely motivated on all fronts, from the front office to the last guy on the bench. Uh, they all have a singular to focus and goal, which is a great sign, especially going into a mini camp, which a lot of people were, were questioning why was it short. Uh, Coach Lloyd Pierce said that he thought that they got to work in that they needed in that short time period, as well as getting out injury free, which a lot of people are overlooking in that short mini camp. But hey, they they got out healthy. That's all you can ask for. And I think that they're, they're establishing, you know, the pillars early this offseason that will help them build momentum that they can ride into the offseason workouts individually. And if they're staying here at the facility, training camp is a tip off of next season. So, yes, I think any of the additions I mentioned will help them make the playoffs next year, especially with the 444 trend that I alluded to earlier, that if they kept that pace, they could be that potentially the ninth seed last year. Because in the East, if you want to make the Eastern Conference playoffs as a 7-8 seed, the closer to 500, the higher chances you, you have. So when everyone's on the court, they play close to 500 ball. That that was just with the pieces last year. So the sky's the limit, really, with the flexibility that the Hawks have. But I expect them to make the playoffs next year at the 8. I was going to say, I, I definitely think it's possible. Um, if you look at the Eastern Conference right now, just even of the top five who made the playoffs this year between the Bucks, Raptors, Celtics, Pacers, and Heat, I – see all of those teams making it um yes. the raptors you know they, they even with the question marks of van, van vliet they are still very solid but after and, and then let's take this the nets and bump them into presumably with full health to kevin durant and Kyrie irving in the eastern conference the nets oh. are a playoff team but after that you're looking at the 76ers and the magic the magic have been you know on the precipice of the ac and falling out for a minute now but it's only because the rest of the east is so bad that they are just you know grandfathering the eighth seed and then um, the 76ers, you know, they had a very underwhelming season already. There could be a trade to happen. Uh, that fit is still clunky. You know, there's going to be some shakeup in that bottom area. And the 76ers, to me, seem the team ripe for being plucked out of that 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 uh, Eastern Conference playoff uh, bracket. So it's yeah. not like the Hawks don't have a chance. And the Hawks are competing with teams like the Cavs, the Pistons, the Knicks, and the Bulls. I, I feel pretty confident about them. <laughs> I I do as well, but a team to really look out for, depending on 
what moves that they make. And there's been some offseason chatter about what they do as well. The mm-hmm. Washington Wizards with John Wall coming back. You have Brad Bill, mm-hmm. Roy Hachimura looks really well. Um, if they can keep Davis Bertans, who has been linked to the Hawks in free agency, uh, and Thomas Bryant, that's a team to kind of keep your eye out for as well, because they were that bubble team, that nine seed last year, yeah. uh, obviously with the season just ending. They were in the bubble, even though there was a considerable gap between them and Orlando. But it will come down to, in my opinion, the battle for that eight seed will come down to Orlando, the Wizards, the Hawks and the Bulls. Those will be the four teams that I really look to see kind of compete for that eight seed going next year. And the Bulls, uh, we mentioned that the Hawks went winless against last year. That's added fuel. Yeah. They they finished 500 against the Magic last year, and they they had to, they had to play four games, went two and two. So that should give them motivation. The Wizards, I think they went one and two last year, but obviously without John Wall. So we'll see there with the offseason additions who can help guard that front, that backcourt, and mm-hmm. as well as continue to develop the front court pieces as well for the Hawks. So we will see, but I, I can see them getting in at eight next year in the Eastern Conference. Okay. I mean, hey, that's a solid step forward for Atlanta. They haven't made the playoffs in a couple of years now. That'll be great for Trent to get some postseason action. Um, amazing for the fans, you know, just in general, whether they can be at the games or not. Um, right. and, and, a, and a good step in the right direction for the Hawks in general. So I'm right there hoping that. But let, let's do some rapid-fire uh, Hawks superlatives real quick. Um, the first the first one's pretty easy. Uh, the best player in the Hawks, I think we both agree, is Trey Young, right? And Trey Young, yes, I Trey. <laughs> you, you threw me off of the ant. I was confused. <laughs> no, 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 that was me hitting the buzzer. I'm sorry, audience. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> I feel you on that. Okay, now the worst player. I just have to ask. I like to know what people think about the players on their on their roster. So someone, I mean, it doesn't have to be like they're trash because obviously, you make the NBA. Um, you are good at the game of basketball. Um, at some level, but just someone who will spend a lot more time on the pine. <laughs> um. He won't spend a lot of time on the pine, but as far as his play last year, my worst player would be Kevin Herter. Uh, not saying that he's I'm not saying that he's the worst. I'm just saying that the strides that he's taken in the first two years, in my opinion, yeah. I expected a lot more from him last year. And mm-hmm. that's why I'm saying this is a make or break year, because if he's not performing well, heading to the trade deadline, he, he is someone that they can package along with a John Collins or someone else. Uh, that they can ship out of town to get some value and a proven contributor in his spot. So not saying that he is the worst player on his roster, but just how he his play from progress from year one to year two. Yeah. I have him as my worst player right now. Okay. I mean, hey, there's room to improve, but I like that candidness there, especially with a guy that, you know, the general public would just assume is a, a good part of the relative Hawks core. So that's some great analysis on that end. Um, yeah, come on, Red Velvet. Come on. Well, there you Red go. You Velvet. need to step up. Come on now. <laughs> I believe in you, man. I, I don't like a lot of Mar- Maryland Terps uh, uh, players. I usually don't, but I, I really want to see you succeed. I really do. You're making an exception for this one, so we just got to have him step up. Uh, speaking of stepping up potential, which player on the Hawks has the highest potential? That's a very interesting question. I'm interested to see how you answer that. Um, the highest potential? I'm going to go Cam Reddish. I'm going to go Cam Reddish. Just okay. From his, just from his intangibles, uh, his sweet shooting stroke, how he ended last year. Obviously, he's explosive, and he's he could be a really good defender in this league and guard multiple positions from the two to the four. Uh, I think he has the highest potential uh, because, like I said, Trey Young is only going to get better. He's already great. He's only going to get better and better and better. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Collins as well, he's only going to get better and better. But as far as ceiling, I, I think that Cam Reddish has a high ceiling. 
Okay. I, I, I like Cam Reddish. I think his offensive versatility, what, the way he's able to get after on the defensive end, you know, when it all comes together, like you said, aside from the slow year, it, it, it's very, a slow year last year. I think it's very possible. And that's interesting. Um, yes. I was leaning between that and John Collins, but I, I'm, I like both of those guys. Um, player who is most likely to be moved next season. So of the ones currently on the roster, who do you think is, is, is going to go out the door? And, and why is it Red Velvet? No, I'm kidding. Uh, so uh, surprisingly, Red Velvet, I did not put him here because okay. I, w- I wanted to try to, you know, switch it up and have a different player for each superlative. But of course, I put DeAndre Hunter just because okay. with his potential as a three and D guy, though, they're very valuable in this league. I compared him to OG and Anobi and a couple of other three and D guys. Uh, he's already a really smart basketball player. He makes the right reads, good decision. And he's only going to grow in his confidence. Like I said, if he gets to a point where he's shooting over 40 percent, it can guard multiple positions as a pretty good three and D guy, he's going to have some, he's going to have some good value. And I think a lot of teams will see that projection and think, wow, like he could really grow into this, like a Robert Covington or like an OG Ananobi. And he's valuable for the guarding, the trying to guard LeBron James and trying to limit, uh, limit Anthony Davis, the top players in the league who are going to play the, the three and the four. So I, I put DeAndre Hunter um, as a player that most likely may be moved next year, depending on how things shake out, how much they love Cam Reddish, and if he's garnering value in the market. Yeah, and I mean, with the contract like he has, he can probably be someone, like you were mentioning, that could bring that his attributes to a, a contender or someone, you know, for the, for the cheap. So that's someone interesting. Um, Player that folks are really sleeping on. And, and this is interesting for a team like the Hawks, where I think you could say that, you can make a case for any of these players that, you know, whether it's in the general public, whether they're getting attention, but not getting as much attention as as you think they should. Which player are, do you think that, you know, the collective are just snoring on right now? So you mentioned this guy before you thought he was going to be your highest highest potential. John Collins is a guy I think that a lot of people are sleeping on because uh, they think that the numbers are empty. They don't know if it contributes to winning basketball. They don't know if he's the real deal. Does he deserve max contract money? And the last two seasons, he's missed 20 plus games. So availability is a thing. And so his number is on a very small, much smaller sample size than other players, uh, especially when you're trying to compare his numbers to uh, Bam Adebayo and the others that are kind of in that same age range as him. But I think that a lot of people are sleeping on John Collins. His three-point shooting is real, guys. Um, he can block shots. He can get rebounds. He's explosive. He can get you to, to put back dunks. And if he can add his playmaking ability, put the ball on the floor and create for others mm-hmm. on top of what he's already doing and expanding his range, watch out. Watch out. Because uh, I, I, I watch, we watch a lot of Bam out of bio in the bubble. And if he can do any of the facilitating that Bam does on top of his ability to hit the three, uh, <laughs> as much as the much value as John Collins has, um, I, sign him. Pay that man. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> you might you might have a point here because that guy, I mean, I think he has been one of the more versatile bigs in the NBA. You know, I mean, he's had a stop and start kind of go, but I could look at him in a you know a top ten big by the end of the year, um, and and that's where I see him as as far as potential. Okay, so uh, a, this is a player. I said you could interpret this as you like, but a uh, a no 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 yes type of player. Um, uh, example with the Lakers, being a Lakers fan, the NBA uh, about ten years ago, crazy's been that long. Ron Artest, Metal World Peace. Um, oh, yeah. Game, oh, yeah. You know, he game seven at 2010 NBA Finals. He had, he had squared up on uh, Paul Pierce jab step, took a three with like just over a minute to go. I'm saying, what are you doing? You made the shot. I'm like, that's my guy. Like, 
<laughs> that is, it's funny you mentioned that because I had that same reaction when he took that shot. I was like, oh, <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, like, sure. Like, you, you knew it was going in. I never had a doubt, man. <laughs> but, like, who do you think is that player, you know, on the Hawks? I guess otherwise known the irrational confidence guy, whichever you like to, whichever you like to interpret that. So I chose Bruno Fernando for this because mm-hmm. he, he when you look at some like of the big like explosive plays that the Hawks had last year, uh, Bruno Fernando was in a lot of them because he can you know block shot, he loves to dunk the ball, he could be a, a really good rim runner and a pretty good rim protector, especially learning behind the Clint Capella. But the no 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 aspect was just his defensive awareness that he did kind of look lost and on an island at times and let some backdoor screens, backdoor cuts come and lead to easy points so he's that no 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 yes player because he did give you some flashes that man this guy can be really good but he's still not there yet so hopefully he continue to grow in that aspect uh with learning the game learning you know defensive spacing spatial awareness and situational defense as well as where to fit on offense as well Okay, I feel that. Yeah, just a lot of the stuff that comes with playing more in the game and, and just being more of a student off of the game. So, or student off of the court, I should say. So that's interesting. Yes. Okay, so I wanted to throw this. I was going to do the top one guy, but I figured that could be really easy, especially with certain teams. So I decided to go a little deeper, which means adding one extra person. But who are the top two guys you go to when the game is online? Obviously, we both know one of them, but I thought the second one would be very interesting. Uh, which, you know, you got, you know, 20 seconds or less, you, who you giving the shot to out of two guys? So that second guy, in my opinion, it depends on, you know, the situation. Do you need a two? Do you need a three? Is it a two possession game? But I'm going to go John Collins because okay. of his ability to, you know, you can run a pick and roll situation and give him an easy attempt uh, and one situation on a dunk. And he's an 80% free throw shooter, so he can more times or not hit a free throw after that and his ability to shoot the three. So I would go and say John Collins. Uh, I, I would be very comfortable late game outside of Trey Young having the ball in John Collins' hand. And depending on uh, uh, next player after that, depending on how he progresses, Cam Reddish, uh, which is his pure shooting ability. But I would go John Collins as that second guy. Okay. I like that. That's that's really cool. I'm, I'm about to say, as someone who you said can create a shot in the post, has a nice mid-range game, kind of came to NBA with that, stretched out to three pretty effectively. That's someone I really like. Um, So let's take two players on the defensive end. Um, Which top two are we going to? You know, game on the line for, for a clutch stop. For a clutch stop, I am going to go new addition Clint Capella. I can just, you know, we, we saw what he can do with, not really a dominant power forward uh, mm-hmm. per se in Houston. So he can kind of just focus on rim protecting. So number one, I would go Clint Capella. Number two, even though he's young, just but him just being a smart player, I'm going to go DeAndre Hunter. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. I'm, I, I have that much faith in his defensive ability um, that young. Um, and a lot of people say, what about John Collins? Yeah. Yeah, yeah 1.6 blocks last year. Uh, he's effective rebounder. But sometimes, you know, people just get rebounds and stats just to get stats. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not I'm not accusing JC of that, but I'm going to go with a guy who came out of Virginia with a breed and teach defense, defense, defense uh, there, even though I'm a, I like Duke. Uh, it's kind of nasty for me to give, you know, Virginia praises like that. But, <laughs> but just what he was taught institutionally in college, his tangibles, 
Um, I think he will continue to grow, learning this fast pace, uh, and hopefully work on some lateral quickness this offseason. But I'm going to go DeAndre Hunter. Okay. I like that. I mean, that's interesting. When I was definitely feeling more Cam Reddish, but you talked me into him because I already knew DeAndre Hunter was a strong defender. But like you said, someone whose defensive attributes have really lended itself so far, even on a young, horrific defensive team like Atlanta, as someone you can look to, you know, when you need to. But I do think the Hawks will be in more games uh, this upcoming season where, you know, the, it comes down and the game is on the line. So so that'll yes. be fun to watch. Um, Speaking of that, you know, Brad, Again, I have to thank you for coming on, spending a chunk of time with me. This has been awesome. Any parting thoughts you have on the Atlanta Hawks and, and just in general? So I'm going to continue to say this. If there's a team that you're looking to buy stock in, if um, <laughs> you, you want you, the bandwagon is not full for this Hawks team, it's pretty open. A lot of, a lot of seats, like with COVID protocol with uh, Southwest right now, the, the middle seat is open a lot. The middle seats are open here um, in Atlanta. <laughs> but I know here they'll probably want me to say Delta because Delta is based here. So we're going to go with Delta. Uh, you know, you know, there's still a lot of seats available. Uh, it's a young team. Um, well, obviously, with young teams, if you have followed Zion and the Pelicans, as I am a Pelicans fan as well, they'll make you pull your hair out because they're young. They make those decisions, and those things are going to come. But when you have an all-star and Trey Young, you have John Collins, the you know the potential of Cam Reddish and Hunt and Hunter, uh, the I gotta do or die year. I gotta be better, Kevin Herter. And then you add, like I said, you add Clint Capella. The sky's the limit with this team uh, as a potential, you know, eight seed here in the East. And as they continue to add pieces, guys, watch out for the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, it's it's gonna, we're gonna be known more than just for, uh, you know, Magic City and uh, Lemon Pepper lose uh, chicken wings uh, at Magic City. We're gonna be known for more than hip hop music and making movies. Hopefully. Sooner or later, with the Braves having the success they're having, uh, hopefully the Falcons can get it right, but not right enough to be better than the Saints. Uh, <laughs> just, who that? Um, who that? Yeah, who that, baby? Who that? Who that uh, say they're going to beat them Saints? Nobody. Let's go. <laughs> not, not, the, not, not the Dirty Birds. But, um, nope, least of them. But but this is the next team that's up, and uh, I, I really, really, hopefully can, we can get some more people to tune in and watch them, because when you watch Trey Young, you're going to be – you're going to be in awe of him. You're going to be in awe of him. And I'm not saying that he's like Allen Iverson, but he, how Allen Iverson had those really flashy plays to get you up on your feet and be like, yeah. wow, this, this with the stature, even with the stature, this guy is good. Trey Young is that good guy. So just, you know, keep your eye out. There's a lot of hungry guys. It's a very hungry organization right now for success, a hungry head coach. So, um, it's, it's time to eat. It's time to eat down here. You know, we eat well in the South. We eat well in the <laughs> South. So it's coming. Get ready. Oh, man. I love this, bro. Thank you again for coming on. Thank you for – you convinced me. I am buying some stock in Atlanta. I appreciate you for doing that. Um, Aside from being my brother here on Hoopball, you know, part of the Hoopball podcast network we got going on, I tell you all the time, at Hoopball tweets, hoop-ball.com, I got to say it. Where else can they find you? Obviously, host of Hoopball Hawks. Tell us a little bit more about the show that you just did today. It's going to be dropping pretty soon. Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at BradJarrett67. That is Brad, J-A-R-R-E-T-T-6-7. Engage me. Talk with me. Like I said, I am the host for Hoopball Hawks. Uh, it's a lot of energy. If you like the energy I provided today, um, I, yes, keep, I, definitely keep it, I definitely keep it 100 and keep it the same. And one of my things is I want to in, inform, entertain, and inspire my audience. I want to try to 
inform you with the facts, inform you with what's going on the court. But I want to make my listeners smarter fans when it comes to supporting this Hawks team so they can know what to look for. And we, we hopefully did that today. We did a special player development episode with a guy who does uh, player development for some players in the league and overseas here. Um, and Jordan Boatwright, he did a wonderful job of just breaking down each player and seeing what are the things in their respective games that they need to do next year to truly grow and make this team a playoff team next year, aside from any additions to this roster. So we're just trying to continue to give the people what they want, like they say on Jalen Jacoby. And I want to continue to perfect my craft and do, do this Hawks team right, do hoop ball right, because we are a family. And, uh, you know, Corbin here sets the bar. And I'm just trying to, like Trey Young, I'm trying to keep up at that pace right now. Well, you are literally too kind. I appreciate you, man. Know that you will be on in general, uh, just talking Hawks, just talking NBA. Love your show, man. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, y'all know where to go. Check them out, Hoop Ball Hawks. You know where to find me if you don't, at Corbin NBA on Twitter. I'm always there. Make sure to check out Hoop Ball, like I say. Uh, until then, y'all, I'm Frosty. Brad, you Frosty? Uh-huh. Ice Trader Gang, bird, bird. <laughs> Shout out Gucci, Gucci. And there you are. So y'all stay Frosty, too. And uh, I'll be talking to y'all real soon, all right? <laughs> all right, y'all.